Thanks for listening to the Word Alive podcast. We hope you enjoy this teaching. For more resources, please download our app by typing WAIO in your Play Store. My name is Matt Hobson. I think I've got a good message for you. You can be the judge of that. Um, but the title is called First Things First, Begin Again. And uh, I couldn't decide between those two titles, so I used them both. When you're the speaker, you get to do that. That's what I've been told. So I'm keeping them both in there. But Begin Again is probably the one that we'll focus on the most. Um, my lovely wife, Holly, gave me good advice. And so you can kind of make these notes for yourself during the service. But she said, I just want to encourage you. We were driving back from Birmingham yesterday. She said, don't cuss. Just don't cuss. And you'll, you'll get why in a minute when you see some of the message. But don't cuss. Don't tell any confidential stories of anyone alive. Not just at our church, but anyone that is still alive. Do not share anything that you know confidentially about them. If you do those two things, you'll be okay. And I said, okay, I've got it. I've got it. So I made it through the first service with no cussing and everyone's confidentiality intact. So if you've shared something with me, consider your secret safe, at least from the stage. Okay? Um, So I want to jump right into the message. I want to tell you a story about my first things first or my begin again experience. It's an evangelism story. When I first uh, became a Christian, I was just on fire for the Lord. Well, not when I first became a Christian. Years later when I really became a Christian. (laughs) Uh, I just got passionate about evangelism. I'm like, you've heard it a couple of weeks ago when uh, Jared was here. He shared that our purpose is to the Great Commission, right? You may have a, God may have a plan for your life, and He does for each of our lives. But our purpose is all the same, which is to make disciples of all the nations, right? That's our purpose. So I, I somehow figured that out, and, and I made a commitment. I'm going to do that. I'm going to make disciples. Every person I meet, I'm going to share the gospel with. Now, I didn't know anything about doing it. Uh, now, we had taken some classes, and we were in, on evangelism teams and all that kind of stuff. And so I was armed and dangerous. I had my little Bible. It was about the size of my phone. I had my little Bible in my back pocket. I had some gospel tracts. I had the four spiritual laws. And then I had another card that just said, what would Peter say to you at the gates? Right? I had those kind of things. So I was armed and ready. And so I, I made a commitment. I was in sales, and I saw a lot of people. I'm like, I'm going to every person I see, I'm going after nobody's going to hell on my watch, right? And so I would go on a sales call, and I would say, hey, do you mind if I share with you a little bit about Jesus? And he's like, no, no, I'm busy, I don't have time. I'm like, well, okay. So I'd go on about business, and, you know, this would go on. I'd go to the next door. We'd do sales, and it's just so awkward, right? And so I'm in a sales call, and I'm like, hey, let me ask you a question. Do you mind if I just share with you a little about Jesus? And so, well, no, we're Catholic. I'm like, was Catholics not believe in Jesus? I mean, I didn't know any, right? So I'm just asking, but still, no, I was shut down every corner. But if you know me at all, I am relentless. Like, I am passionate. I am not going to give up. Once I put my mind to it, we're gonna do, I'm going to do this. And so I was going to go a whole year. Whether you want to hear it or not, you're gonna get the, you're, I'm going to present the gospel to you, right? So I finally come up to this lady one day, and uh, I do my sales call, and I get ready to leave, and I'm like, I'm not even wasting my time. And so she kind of reminded me of my mother, and I thought, she's so sweet. Like, I just don't want to take up her time. So I start to leave. I get out to the car, and I get in the car, and I felt like the Holy Spirit said, you're not going to say anything to her? I thought, oh. So I get out of the car, not even wanting to do it. Get out of the car, I go back up, I knock on the door. Now, this is really awkward, right? And she had just gotten on to me. I didn't tell the first service this, by the way, but I was knocking on the door, waiting on this lady to come to the door. And I'm in a hurry, and I'm in sales, and so I just kind of peek through the glass of the door, like this. 
She got all over me. She's like, young man, you don't peek in somebody's window. I'm like, well, ma'am, I was just knocking on the door to make sure somebody was home. Well, what if I'd have been dressed inappropriately? I'm like, well, you have a glass front door. I, I don't know. I don't know what to do. So that was the kind of interaction we had to start this conversation. So maybe that led to me not wanting to share with her. But regardless, I came up not looking at the glass this time. You know, I knocked on the door because she gave me that lesson. Like, you should turn, knock and turn. I'm like, okay, I got it. So I knocked and turned. I waited. She came to the door, and I said, hey, I forgot to ask you. I know this is going to sound awkward, but do you mind if I share with you a little about Jesus? She's like, I mean, I guess so. I'm like, you guess so? Okay. She's like, well, come on back inside. I'm like, all right. So I went back inside. She's like, have a seat at the table. So I sit down across from her, and she just sits down. As soon as she sits down, she just crosses her arms. I thought, oh, boy. I know where this is going. So in my mind, I'm already set for failure, right? So I pull out my little cards, and I'm like, I'm, all right, I'm going to go right through here. Copyright 1976. Uh, ask, okay, number one, did you know God loves you, ma'am? She's like, yes, I've heard that. I'm like, okay. And I would memorized all the verses. Like, I was good at, at the cards, so I'm like, well, you know, he loved you so much that he sent Jesus to save the world. And so I'm just doing, and as I'm reading this, I'm like, there's no way this is going to make any sense to this woman. This is crazy. But I go straight through it. I get to number two. I'm like, you do realize, and I hate to be the one to break this to you, but you're sinful. And she's like, oh, yes, I do know that. And I'm like, you know you're sinful. And I took her through all the verses. We've all sinned and fallen short, right? And so she's listening to me, but she's still just sitting here like this. Now I'm sinful. I'm like, golly. So I, I tell her the rest of that, and then I get to number three which is supposed to be the good news, right? I'm like, but you know, Jesus is God's provision for your sin. She's like, yeah, I've heard of that. I'm like, okay. And so I walk her through all that. You know, even though you've fallen short, it says that even though you're a sinner, he still died for you. Like, I was so excited. But in my mind, I'm thinking, this lady's going to kick me out of her house. And she never budged. She never, like Aiden sitting right now, she just had her, she just had her arms crossed, and she's just stoic, and she's just staring at me. She's like, uh-huh, uh-huh. And I'm like, well, you know, he's your provision. Then I get to number four, and I'm like, you know, in order for you not to go to hell, you got to receive Jesus into your life. And, and then I kind of got a little stuck, so I started pulling everything I've ever heard. Like, you need to make him your forever friend. You need to invite him into that little heart, that little heart, in your, uh, little heart box right there. You know, that little void you got. If you just bring Jesus there, then I think this is going to work. And so I'm telling her everything I could possibly think of. And she's not giving me anything. She's just, just boom. So I finally get to the end, and it says, is there any reason that you wouldn't accept Jesus today? And she said, no. And I said, okay. It, no. <laughs> and so I didn't know what to do because I, I was already set up for failure. I thought, I'm, this is not going to work. She said, no. And I'm like, well, does that mean you want to accept Jesus today? She said, Yes. And I thought, oh my gosh, now I don't know what to do. This is the first one ever that has said yes. Now I'm in total shock. I'm like, I don't know. Okay, so I start flipping, and then I, I did what, what I could only think of at the time. I said, you know what, ma'am? Let's bow our head for a word of prayer. She put her head down. I'm like, oh, Jesus, please help me find this prayer. So I finally find it. I'm like, oh my gosh, okay. I confess that I'm a sinner. And so I read this prayer, and she's praying it back to me. And the whole time, I want you to get this, the whole time I'm leading this woman in a salvation prayer, I'm thinking, there's no way this is going to work. There's no way this is going to work. This is craziness. 
And so I finish, and, and I get through, and she looks up at me, and she uncrosses her arms, and she says, young man, I think something just happened inside of me. And I said, I know, something just happened inside of me too. I don't know which one of us got saved, but everything changed, right? And so that was my first things first of evangelism. That was my begin again moment when I realized God can use any of us at any time. And whether the message is coming across clearly or not, if God is ready for you to have a new beginning, then it's going to happen. And there's nothing we can do. No wall we can't tear down. No, he will get to you, right? And so my idea of evangelism at the time was that was it. Now, just like everything else, things evolve. <laughs> evangelism evolves. And I'm not so certain that we see that type of evangelism so effective even anymore, even though it was in that situation. But I was teaching a class the other day, and, and it had this in Genesis from the Houses of Light material. It said, is known as the book of beginnings, where God demonstrates his concept of family. And to me, I started thinking about family and I started thinking about evangelism. And then I started thinking, well, if, if first things are first, Genesis is the first book of the Bible. And it caught me off guard because I wasn't supposed to teach this class. I was just filling in. So I'm looking at the material and I'm like, huh, book of beginnings. I've heard that before. I've heard book of beginnings somewhere before. And so I just started looking at Genesis 1. If we could just read through here. It says, in the beginning, God created in the beginning, God created. Just say that with me for just one second. In the beginning, God created. When? In the beginning. So in Genesis 1-1, it says beginning. And again, in my head, I'm thinking, man, I've heard this somewhere before. And then I just could not get it out of my mind, this word, in the beginning. It just kept sticking out to me as we're in this class. So I, I, had, I told the class, I'm like, you're going to have to hang on for a second. This is not in the material and so I ran, I got my little board I brought with me, and I started going through a teaching that I had heard um, years ago about the word in the beginning, like that word in Genesis 1-1. And I'm like, I know I've heard that. So I went and got it, and I said, hey, I had to apologize. This is not in your material, but if you could just bear with me, I think this is going to make sense to the class. They're like, oh, that's great, you know. And so Genesis 1-1, in the beginning, where everything starts, right, it, it says, First things first was in the houses of light material. So we get to this point, first things first. And you got to understand there's two things about firsts. And I, I just recently learned this, by the way. There's a law of first mention, right? And I know this is kind of a heavy, deep teaching for you on a Sunday morning, but you'll appreciate it years from now. Maybe not today, but you'll appreciate it. But I promise we'll get you tied in in a second. So just try to bear with me. But first things first, there's a law of first mention. Let me give you an example so you understand. If there's a word mentioned in the Bible, then what you try to do if you're going to really go deep and study is you go back to the very first time that word was mentioned. That way you can kind of see the context of how it, how it plays out. Here's an example for you. In Genesis 4.10, the word blood, that's the first time the word blood is mentioned. So it's when God is calling out to Cain and he says, hey, where is your brother? Right? His blood is crying out from the ground. So we can then take, if you're a good student, you can assume that the word blood there means human life. 
And so if you go back to that very first law first mentioned, the word blood, this means human life. Then when you read it through context in Scripture, when you get in Hebrews and it says without blood, there is no forgiveness of sin, it starts really making sense how everything ties in. Then you've got a whole other word called hermeneutics. I didn't even know. I had, to, I had to Google how you said it, by the way. Hermeneutics. But there's a law in it which just means you have to take it in context as well. So you can't just take the first. You also have to take it in context and then apply it through. Another example of that is in the garden, the serpent represents the evil one, right? Or the devil. Not all serpents throughout the Bible then are the devil. You have to take it in context. So it's that whole thing. Not, every, not under every rock there's a demon, right? So just because he was the serpent and the devil in the garden doesn't mean that the snake you see in your backyard is the devil, even though I don't like snakes, right? So first things first, I want you to get this. The law of first mention and in context, because I'm going to give you a real quick teaching on this. It says in John 1, In the beginning was the Word, and the Word was God and was with God, and He was in the beginning. All things were made through Him. This is referencing Jesus. So in the beginning was Jesus. Now this is where teaching the class for Dr. Patio, it blew my mind because I finally remembered where I'd heard the word. And it's a Hebrew word called Bereshit. That Genesis 1-1 word, when it says in the beginning, the Hebrew word for that is Bereshit. That means in the beginning. It actually means beginnings. You uh, know Pastor Darko Kovacic, when he preaches here, we were talking about this word when he was here. There's actually over 50 mentions of this word bear sheet. So Genesis 1-1 is not the only beginning. I need you to get that. Genesis 1-1 is not the only beginning. There's several beginnings and begin again and begin again that you see throughout Scripture. He said, and he studied this for a long time, but he said you could spend your entire lifetime just studying that one Scripture in the beginning and never fully understand it. So I don't expect you to get it all on a Sunday morning, but I'm going to help you just, just kind of get a 10,000 foot overview. If we write out that word Bereshit, if we write out the Hebrew word, every Hebrew letter means something. And so the first part of Bereshit, the B, the bait means house or in, Resh means head, first or person, the Aleph means ox, bull, strength or God, the shin means consume or destroy. The yod means hand, dead, or work. And tav means mark or sign or covenant. So the word bear sheet, if you're tracking with me, every letter in that word in Hebrew has its own meaning, meaning and there they are broken out. So you can see what that says in Hebrew, right? Then there's another trick in Hebrew, which is some words combined make its own word. So it's not just the letter that has a meaning, but the combined word also has a meaning. So the two first letters, the B and the R, means bar, which actually says son of. So if you had the two first letters, B and the R, it means son of. So here's where it gets kind of crazy to me, because if you realize what Genesis 1-1 says, it should change your whole aspect or opinion or view of what the Bible looks like. Because in the beginning, in Genesis 1-1, that word bear sheet, if you write it out in English, not Hebrew, says this. Son of God destroyed or killed by his own hand on a cross. 
So in Genesis 1-1, my granddaughter says that, by the way, ever who said it. Oh, wow. That's exactly right. Oh, wow. I've read every Bible plan known to man, and I've probably started Genesis chapter 1 thousands of times. And it wasn't until recently that I understood this, which is, to me, a great sign of why it's so important that we go through our equipping classes, that we come into alignment with what we're doing here with the Hebraic and biblical concepts, because there are so many hidden treasures in this is one word, one word in the entire Bible. And that lady ever who just said that is exactly right. Oh, wow. Oh, wow. Genesis 1-1 says the Son of God was destroyed by his own hand on a cross. I couldn't believe it either. That, that means to me everything started in Genesis 1-1, but it, doesn't it also mean everything ended in 1-1? Which makes these next two verses make sense if you've read those before. In Isaiah 53-5, he was wounded for our transgressions. He was bruised for our iniquities. Peace was upon him, and by his stripes we are healed. Or this verse in Revelation that says the lamb was slain from when? The foundation of the world. In Genesis 1-1, from the very beginning, Jesus was slain. And so in one of the lines in the Houses of Light class, this is class one, by the way, if you haven't been through it, it says something about first things first. Have you ever heard that, that saying, first things first? And so I kind of played along with that, and we looked up a scripture I felt like the Holy Spirit just took me back to in Matthew 6, 33, that says what? Seek first the kingdom of God and all his righteousness, and these things shall be added to you in Matthew 6, 33. So now the first part of that teaching, I didn't get that. That wasn't my revelation. I don't know where we got it. Uh, first time I heard it was from Pastor Darko Kovacic. Uh, I don't know if that was his or if he got it from somewhere. But while I was teaching it in this class and sharing it, I did get a revelation on it. And when I shared that verse in Matthew 6, 33, seek first the kingdom, all of a sudden I started hearing Jeremiah 33, 3 ringing in my ears, which says, if you just call on me, and seek me, I will show you unsearchable things you do not know. And so I'm teaching this class in Houses a lot, and the Holy Spirit said, go back through that material now, but go back through it seeking Jesus first, knowing what bare sheet really means. And so I said, okay, I'll do it. And so I started going back through the material, not knowing what was going to happen. So I put the bare sheet word back up, and I tell them again, Bereshit is in the beginning, and in the beginning it said, Jesus, the Son of God, destroyed by his own hand on a cross. Everybody's got it, and they're still like, oh, wow, right? So I said, let's break down the Hebrew letters again, looking at it after now we've looked at Jesus first. And in the first two letters, it hit me as I was teaching the Houses of Light class that in the beginning wasn't just Jesus, there was Houses of Light. There was first fruits, which was the class we were teaching that day. And so in the very beginning, bear sheet doesn't just mean Jesus. It also says bait means house. <laughs> Resh means first. So the Holy Spirit started telling me, and I'm sharing with the class, I'm like, can you believe that we're in a Houses of Light class in our church reading a Hebrew word that says Genesis 1-1 that there's Jesus, there's Houses of Light, and there's first fruits, And nobody could believe it. And so we looked at the scriptures again in Genesis 1. We put it back up. And, you know, when we read it earlier, we just saw what? In the beginning, God created. But look now how many references of light in Genesis 1. Then God said, let there be light. 
there was light. God saw the light. It was good. And it divided the light from the darkness. And God called the light day. And the morning were the first day. So in Genesis 1-1, now we started seeing, because why? Because we were seeking Jesus first. He was now opening up all the kingdom to us. So we're in this class and we're going through here and we're like, wow, in the beginning was Jesus, in the beginning was first fruits, in the beginning was light. And so I just kept going through it. I'm like, in John 1, we put it up again because we just read in the beginning. But look at the references of light. In him was life and there was life was the light of men and the light shines in the darkness. And so I just could not believe it. I'm sharing this in a houses of light class. Then we get to a scripture in Exodus 10, through 23. This is in the material. It says, Moses stretched out his hand toward the sky and total darkness covered all of Egypt for three days. No one could see anyone else move about for three days, yet all of the Israelites had what? Light in their houses. You can't make this stuff up. <laughs> had light in their houses. And so for whatever reason, I started thinking again about evangelism, about that very first experience with me while I was teaching this class because we're, we're as, a, as a church, we are trying to just really encourage you to get in a house a lot or either have a house a lot. And unfortunately, a lot of us are surrounded by darkness. And so it's hard when you're in the midst of darkness to have a house a lot, to be a lot. But it's possible because we see it here. So how is it possible in the midst of this kind of darkness that Moses talks about for you to have light in your house. We did have a cool revelation that came out of that class that somebody just said, I wonder, I wonder, that's what somebody said, I wonder if in Acts when those tongues of fire were over their head, if that was actually the light that was in their house. I don't know, but I think that's pretty stinking cool that somebody even had that idea, right? Maybe it is. Who knows? I didn't know what bare sheet meant to two years ago. So maybe we'll find out in two more years that that's the tongue of fire that was over their head. But how do you have a house of light? How do you be a light in the midst of darkness? Um, I want to share something with you, and it's kind of transparent, and it's a little personal, and we'll see what happens. Um, but Davey, you and the band, if you want to, you can come on back up, and, and we'll go from there in just a second. But we were on a trip. We were going to Honduras, and uh, we were there on a mission trip, but during the midst of this mission trip, I was going to get a chance to preach at one of our connections, one of our friends here, John and Tara Caret's church. And so we're driving over the mountains, and I have my iPad with me, and one of the guys that are on the trip with me, we're all cutting up and having fun, and uh, they say, what happens if your iPad doesn't work at one of these things? And I'm like, well, I don't have internet, it's okay, I download it all on Evernote, and I've got it all, and I usually have a backup. Like today, you'll notice I don't have my iPad. <laughs> it's from this story. Uh, so we're driving. We get to John's church, and John just builds me up, and he's had some great speakers come in, and he's like, oh, we've got a powerful word today, and because I'd shared with him what I was going to preach. He's like, it's going to be great. He sets me up perfectly, and the translator comes up, and I'm cutting up with her. We're going back and forth, and everything's feeling good. And if, if you ever speak anywhere, you just know, like, oh, this is going to be good. I'm like, this is going to be good. I'm looking around the room. I'm like, yeah. Start targeting people. I'm like, oh, yeah. I'm like, I'm like, Come on. Jesus, give me a word of knowledge for that lady right there. I mean, we're just, I mean, I was kind of feeling it. So I go, and I'm like, I'm excited. And I had started a little bit off the part of the message that I really just had dialed in. I get to the part I needed to communicate, though, and I go over, and I keep my iPad. I'm like, hmm. 
and nothing's happening. And in my mind, all I can hear is one of the guys saying, what you going to do when that iPad crashes one day? And so I just get stuck for a minute. I'm like, I don't know what to do. And the Holy Spirit said, well, why don't you just share your story? Why don't you go back to the first time that I encountered you? I'm like, well, I don't want to do that in this place. Like, John Corrette likes me, and he thinks, you know, I'm here. I'm I'm from the church, and what will people think? And... And then I started remembering all these things, first things first, and begin again, and beginnings, and man, I was so excited to know when we were discussing the beginnings, or in the beginning, that there's so many beginnings. Because I have had so many mess-ups that I need to begin again, and begin again, and begin again, and begin again. It started all to make sense to me that His mercy is new every day. So every day you can wake up and begin again and so I didn't know what to do my iPad was dead I just kind of froze and, uh, and I would like to I, I would just love to leave like the story of this guy that committed to preach evangelism to every person he came in contact with and this woman gets radically saved but it wasn't long after that experience where I actually had a terrible moral failure and had an affair so I leave from this hive this lady uh, becoming a Christian and me walking right into a situation that I had no business being in. And so I went through a terrible divorce. It destroyed the relationship with my daughter. She actually just messaged me the other day to let me know, hey, it's still destroyed, so stop reaching out. So no relationship at all with my daughter, my consequences of my actions. And then I started thinking about all the things that I've been through. At my age right now, I should be dead. My dad committed suicide when I was 21 years old. Um, My mother died of cancer not long after that. My sister was a drug addict and she overdosed one night at the table within two years of all of this happening. And so this spirit of death was just surrounding my family. It was just over me and I could just feel the weight and the pressure of it. And so we move here, and uh, we're close to here, and Holly and I have miscarriage after miscarriage after miscarriage, where she would get pregnant, and God would build our hopes up, and then we'd go find out that she had miscarried, and you just got darkness all around you again. Then we came on staff here, and I thought, well, man, maybe everything has, has been redeemed and restored, and I always wanted to be a preacher, and I'd been disqualified because of all of my mistakes, And then even here, we were on staff two years and my brother took his wife hostage and shot her and then shot himself. And so just darkness after darkness after darkness. So I'm sharing this at John Corrette's church and all of a sudden I feel the Holy Spirit just start speaking to me. And I'm thinking, wow, maybe this is, maybe he's trying to tell me something for somebody. Because I wasn't joking. I was asking for like, God, give me words of knowledge. And so I'm just thinking, well, maybe he's giving me a word of knowledge for somebody. And I remembered this scripture that Kent used during the sound of the shofar. It's in 1 Thessalonians 4.16. It says, For the Lord himself will come down from heaven with a loud command, with the voice of an archangel, with the trumpet call of God, and the dead in Christ will rise first. And so I quickly realized that the Holy Spirit's talking to me, (laughs) 
not for somebody else. And it overwhelmed me. I guess it should happen more. <laughs> but I, I've never been on stage speaking and be completely stopped emotionally and physically where the Holy Spirit was so loud that I couldn't do or say anything. So I just turned around. I didn't tell anybody anything. I just t turned around and just stopped. And then I just started hearing the Holy Spirit saying, do you know all those people that's been prophesying to you over the years that you were going to raise somebody from the dead? I'm like, yeah. I'm starting to hear this in my spirit. And I'm like, yeah, I remember that. And then all of a sudden I get excited because I think, oh my God, I'm going to raise somebody from the dead in Honduras. And I start hearing that verse again about the dead in Christ will rise first. And just as clear as if I'm talking to you right now, the Holy Spirit said that life that you're going to raise from the dead that was you. And all of a sudden, I just felt this wave of forgiveness, and this wave of mercy. And I just felt exactly what I'm telling you, but just a new beginning, a begin again. Wow, the Holy Spirit has forgiven me of all those things that even I haven't forgiven myself for. I can begin again. And it's just, He's speaking to me. If that life that was raised from the dead was you, Matthew. And then I just start crying. I mean, I lost it. Because it just all made sense to me then. Because if I can begin again, then I can go back and look and say, well, maybe I had an affair. But in this marriage, I'm going to be faithful. And have been 16, 17, almost 17 years. And I can't go back and change my relationship with my daughter. But I can certainly love my granddaughter the way I should have loved her. I can make the right decision today. So maybe, maybe you have an addiction. You can choose today. I don't know if you remember a couple weeks ago, a young man and a woman came up here and prayed, became Christians. That Monday, I'm sitting in the connection with Les Thompson. We're eating lunch. And he walks in and asks, can somebody pray for me? He comes over to the table and he says, hey, I just need some prayer. He said, I was on the way from my house. He has a baby with him. He said, I'm on the way from my house. Somebody stole a bunch of my stuff while I was in jail and I'm going to go pull him out of the trailer and I'm going to kill him. And he said, I'm pulling off. He has an ankle bracelet. He said, I'm pulling off the interstate and the Holy Spirit says, just go to the church. You'll be okay. And he said, he walked in and he said exactly what I did. He said, I came forward on Sunday and realized I can begin again. I don't have to make that choice anymore. And so he showed up here and uh, we gave him some lunch and hung out with him and he went on about his business, but my point is, we all can begin again. If this word in Genesis 1-1 is real, if Bereshit is real, if there's beginnings, then that means every day we can begin again. And so I want to give you an opportunity, an opportunity I wish I had before I was standing on the stage at a church, <laughs> which is just to begin again. If you need a dream resurrected, if you, by the way, it's already inside of you. It says in Romans 8, 11, that the same spirit that raised Jesus from the dead lives inside of you and can what? Bring life to your mortal body. So if you, need, if you need new life, if you need resurrected, if you need to begin again, then the band's gonna start playing this song and it's actually called Resurrecting. And so I just want you to come down front and, and we're just gonna pray for you. And today could be your begin again. Today could be your first things first. Everything starts over. Um, it did for a lot of people the first service. 
And I'll go ahead and tell you on the front end because I hate when people kind of pressure me in, right? We're gonna play one more song and then that's it. I'm gonna tell you the honest truth. Whether you come down front or not, you're not gonna miss your opportunity. You're a word from God and Isaiah says that and you cannot return void. You will accomplish everything that he has planned for you, whether you come down to the front of this altar or not. But prophetically, I think it does something in your spirit to take a step outside of yourself and walk down and say, I just need a new beginning. It changed my life. I know it will you. Thanks for listening to this message. If you are blessed by this message, you can give by visiting waio.org or by downloading the Wayo app and selecting give. Don't forget to subscribe to this channel. Thanks.